0: Snop Production. it's Rusty here. This is part two of my chat with Supercross legend Chad Reed. If you haven't heard part one already, make sure you jump back to the library and have a listen. It covers his early career and rise to the top and a whole lot more. In this second instalment, we tackle injuries, the bike that he has a soft spot for among the countless that he's raced over time and the exciting new chapter as he transitions from two-wheel racing to four. It's a brutal game. Uh, that that's obvious. What are the injuries that that stick out for you? The ones that maybe to this day you still wince about or, or feel? Um,
1: I would say that the worst one that I've had um, would be my ACL. Um, it came at a time that wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't friendly on timing. Um, you know, I I really believe that I would have won that championship that year, um, and it it didn't only ruin that year. It kind of like it spilled over into the next year. Um, you know, like you're, you're obviously around people that are getting hurt and, and knee injuries were, were a common thing. Um, so I had many people around me that I, you know, had an ACL, uh, surgeries and it seemed like they would just, you know, get it fixed. And three, four, five, six months later, they're back on the bike. And, and it's seemingly like everything was normal. Um, for me, it didn't, wasn't like that. Like I, I, when I came back, I didn't have my full range of motion. Every time I did something, it would blow up. Um, I'd have a second surgery. So it was just like a complicated injury that I was kind of thinking more that it would just be a pretty straightforward injury. So um, that one, and then I would say my ankle. Um, I think the last time we were doing this might have been when I had a broken ankle. So um, yeah, that would. That would probably be
0: the other one, just those two. I think also, too, if memory serves back to, there was Epstein-Barr virus, wasn't there, in uh, in 2010? How did that knock you around? And, and 2010 was
1: just such a challenging, like, I would say, point of my life. I didn't, you know, like, I felt like it was, like, I was at that transition point. Like, 2010, like, was probably the closest that I came to going... I don't love this anymore, you know. Like I, I don't know why. Obviously, I was sick, but I was I was drained. I was mentally exhausted from from the sport, and I think that life has a way of throwing you a curveball when you think it's the worst time. But I think it becomes more clear, you know, years down the road that um, in that moment. It forced me to step away. Um, I remember at that point, I came back to Australia. I spent, I think, six to six to eight weeks back here. Um, didn't even really, you know, consider going back racing. And then I, you know, I did a lot of things in the U.S. as well to help my health and things like that. But for the most part, it was time away. And each time, and it took a long time. It wasn't like you were, like, one week away and, oh, I miss it, you know? Like, I mean, it was months that I it took for me to start to feel like, okay, I feel human again. <laughs> um, now let's see if, you know, racing motorcycles is is in my future. So, um, and then as it worked out, that was, you know, that led into Tutu Motorsports and things like that. So it was, it was honestly, like, what was, you know, on the surface the, the worst point in, of my life and career
0: but yet um, I felt like I, I got the most out of it This is one I uh, feel tough or, or uh, it's difficult to ask but you and I both can recall great Australian writer Andrew McFarlane, uh, I can vividly recall seeing you mate at, at his funeral and the effect that it had on on you and the fraternity he was passing, he was a good, a good young writer wasn't he? Yeah he was I mean Andrew was
1: five years older than I was, um, and that obviously fell, you know, it fell that year, um, so there was so many things in my life that I was, you know, like, I think that as athletes, you always, you, you just push these things under the rug, and, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, that, that happens, you know, and don't crash, that won't happen, or it won't happen to me, um, but for some reason, you know, like, I was so close to Andrew and his family, um, you know it it hit home because I had my first child um, that year as well Um, as it worked out my child was my my firstborn was born and then literally as we were like driving in the driveway uh, bringing our firstborn home for the first time um, I can remember it like it was yesterday where Ellie and I got the news and literally it just sat the baby down on the, you know, like on the steps mm-hmm. and like just both of us sitting on the steps like what just happened, you know, kind of like just the, the happiest part of your life to one of the, the saddest parts of your life, you know. So um, I think that hit home and I, I pushed it under the rug and whatever, but it, it ate at me. And I think that that was a contributing factor to, you know,
0: the ongoing issues that I had in 2010. You're a proud Aussie, we know that. Um, Over time, a little bit of American twang has has crept in, a little bit of American slang, but I actually think that's really important, mate, because adopting those little kind of turns of phrase and things like that endears you to the American audience. Was it just the length of time you spent there or was it a conscious thing? I think it
1: it was both. I think they go hand in hand. Um, I mean, technically, I've lived in America now longer than I have lived in Australia, um, which is crazy to think. Um, but yeah, like for me, you know, and I, I I put it this way, and I think it's 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 hard for Australians to understand, but when, when I went to America, I'd seen people uh, b- before me and then even during my time, and the number one thing that they failed at was that they... They held on to Australia, and Australia was the greatest country. Australia had the best food, and this and America was terrible. The food sucks, the traffic sucks, the weather sucks. You know, like, and I was like, too. You know, like, I didn't necessarily have this conversation with myself, but in my opinion, I was kind of like, I can't get out of life what I want from motorcycle racing in Australia Um, I don't want to live in Europe so then if I'm going to live and race and do this motorcycle thing um, you know America's where it's at Um, so I just embraced the culture I embraced the American you know way of living Um, and I truly my whole my adult life is really like I would say as an Aussie um you know, or as a kid, I'm an Aussie, and as an adult, I feel like more American because you know life for me as I know it as an adult, is America. you know, like I could tell you if I moved back here i would there would be a lot of things that Ellie and I would have to l- learn about. You know living as an adult in, in in Aussie because we don't know that you know we never paid bills you never did all those things you know like we left at 18 years old um so that was the biggest thing for me and probably that the one gray area where Aussies are really quick to comment and make a negative you know like ah, oh, he's, he's basically a Yankee kind of thing or whatever and it's like but for me that was my only way of survival was to embrace the culture and, and, and I didn't want to be known as an outsider because, um, I don't know if you know, but there's an, a French guy, um, Jean-Michel Bale, and he was two time super crush champ. Um, and he was hated, like hated, you know, like the Americans hated him. And so like, I was like, I don't want to be hated. <laughs> you know, like there was that part of me where I made this conscious decision that, that, you know, like I love this country and in my opinion, I actually get the best of both worlds. I think in America, in America, it's a beautiful country and I get to jump on a plane and go to Australia and call it home and it's beautiful. Um, but while I'm here, I really want to be embraced and, and people like me. So then, yeah, that was kind of my my outlook on the whole thing. And the rationale
0: is one I completely can understand and, and agree with. To me, it makes... makes um makes absolute sense mate in that last twelve months since you and i spoke there's been a couple of posts that you've done with various things for sale around the you know the ranch the the cr22 compound in florida and things that looks like heaven mate (laughs) has that been hard to sort of come to that point and and do those things
1: you know it was it was heaven once upon a time um florida i love florida you know like i i really enjoyed living in florida um but over the years, as, as my kids became a little older and, want to you know, want to start being more active, Florida's brutal. It's like northern Queensland, you know? Like, it's just hot and humid always. And so, you know, Ellie and I were ready for a change of pace. Um, you know, I don't use the tracks to their fullest, you know, need of what they once upon a time were. Um, so, yeah, it was time to let go. Um, but, yeah, like... My go-kart track and the freedom that that the 70 acres provided over 15 years was was amazing you know and I I, I truly built um my dream you know my place of my dreams basically you know like you're your tracks and your go-kart track and you know Ellie would be like why why are we spending all this money on a go-kart track and I'm like why would you not spend all that money on a go-kart track you know and so yeah it was it really was amazing and uh, I sold my house um still have my property so it's it actually technically I still own it but but in the in the process of trying to trying to
0: sell it. We're recording in a room underneath Marvel Stadium in Melbourne where they are currently building outside there, are uh, an epic looking track for aussies that have dreamed of seeing you race stateside mate and some of the amazing venues that you you go to there they've brought that down under haven't they and you have hoped for this day to come there's been some great events before but to go to this next level is a huge thing isn't it
1: yeah it really is and in you know, and I feel like I've tried to contribute in every way possible. Um, you know, even when you go back ten years, when I did uh, you know, the what do they call it? The Ozx um, Open Series back then. It was their version of it, but it was a series that I was heavily, heavily involved with with Mike Um, and it didn't. You know, it was great, and we went all over Aussie. Um, we went to bigger venues than they had, but we didn't really achieve what they're achieving this weekend you know like the this event as a one-off event um mm-hmm. it, i really believe it's going to be one of the the, the the pinnacle of the sport you know and i think it'll be equal to any american supercross so yeah i feel i feel blessed and really you know really proud to kind of be here and be able to um kind of embrace a pretty pretty special weekend so will it be your last time racing down under
0: in Supercross,
1: <laughs> it won't be my last time racing here, um, but it will be my final uh, race as a full-time um, athlete racing. Uh, twenty twenty will be my final season in Supercross in America, um, but I do, I do want to come back and race. You know, like, like uh, I don't know if it's next year or the year after. Um, but I, I, I do want to do the off season races. I feel like, I feel like that's healthy, um, you know, to have a goal of still staying in shape, still riding my motorcycle, um, you know, doing the things that I love to do, um, but putting my mind and, and, you know, effort elsewhere during, during the year. So, um, it's, it's been a, I shouldn't say it's been a long time coming, but probably the last year. Um, This is, you know, this has been building and building and building. And I feel like this is the perfect, uh, you know, like if if I was to say, hey, I want to retire here and this is how I want
0: to do it. um, I don't know that you could plan it any better. How tough was it to arrive at that decision? And when did it come in your mind?
1: In in a lot of ways, I made the decision last year. Um, You know, I kind of, it was really only Ellie and I had the conversation and I kind of thought... I'm I was a fill-in writer at JGR, um Western Pike, got hurt, and then I just you know, it had been in Australia last year, I felt like I I massively underperformed in in Sydney. And it was when I look back, it was because I had this just energy in me that I, I like I was ready to be done in some ways. Um and i wanted and it, I, sh- I shouldn't say i was ready to be done but i was i knew the time was coming and so i wanted to win so bad that i i just think i personally put just an enormous amount of pressure on myself i didn't feel good all weekend um and it was one of the worst weekends that i've had racing in australia like i didn't enjoy it um i struggled with the track and the bike and it was really the fact that It was really me creating that because I was like in my mind I was like it's going to be the last one I want to win and it just never happened Mm -hmm. and there's a part of me that thinks that I'm here this year because of how bad that was Mm -hmm. um if I win I think that there's a chance that I say I'm done you know like Mm -hmm. there's there's a part of me that thinks that because i know that when i left here i'm like i'm not i'm not going out like that and then you look you know you fast forward a year and here i am with two broken ribs and it's it's not a perfect case scenario <laughs> but that that's that's life um but yeah i think it's it's the, the timing's right and um and i'm excited
0: for 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 what's next i'm excited too because there's a bit of four-wheel action I, i'm not a huge believer in Seeing athletes stop cold turkey, I think it's particularly for motor races. It's very important that they have something, something, something. and you've been in a Lamborghini during the year, in the Super Trofeo series. Tell us about that, and and was that a, a part of it, mate? Could you use? Has that sort of sparked a, a, the fire <coughs> in the belly for another chapter, something new? It was. Uh, it was
1: a huge part of it. Honestly, um, it was one hundred percent the reason. Um, because i had this massive plan you know like i was my goal was to stay or i shouldn't say my goal but my plan was to stay at jgr have a great off season do some races um and come out swinging in 2020 and and potentially 2020 always being the last one um and then it just you know the things at jgr weren't happening as fast as i was wanting them to they were kind of on the fence do they go racing do they not go racing suzuki was uh, was slow for answers um so I had a, a friend of a friend reached out and said, "Hey, you want to come drive a Lamborghini with me at Watkins Glen?" And it's kind of like I'd never been to Watkins Glen, but obviously, the you know being yeah. be, being the fan of motorsport that I am, I, I, I was very aware of you know the the heritage and the history there. And I'm like, "Yeah, why not? I mean, why wouldn't I?" <laughs> so I jumped on a plane, went to Vegas. Um, essentially, it was a test slash. Um, approval for my license, and yeah, passed that and went racing the next weekend. And, and there we went. We went. Uh, I raced pro am, and we went. I think we went three mm-hmm. two. Um, and then I was kind of like, okay, that was fun. You know, that was really cool. And um, the Glen was was a pretty challenging track. You know, like the S's I struggled with. Um, you know, like I was competitive, but there was like I left there kind of feeling like i i left a lot there mm-hmm. and feeling like i wanted to you know more opportunity to uh, to learn and um one thing led to another and then they he asked me if i would race the rest of the series and do the world championship race um in jerez spain so i'm like perfect let's let's do this um so yeah as long story short won a bunch of races um, and then, you know, put all my effort into those races to get ready for uh, the world championship. Um, and then as it worked out, uh, he ended up not racing world championship, so I did it alone. Um, and yeah, I won the first race and got second in the second one and was world champ, you know, Lamborghini world champion. So, um, and it, I'm a, I love the analytics, you know, like I love data. I love, like I love opportunities to learn. Like that's um that's my passion. That's what drives me. Um so with the car racing with you know so much of that stuff, you know, having access to it, for me, it just it just overtook my world, you know, and like I just I just started thinking, man, like this is like I, I immediately I was surprised because I had had opportunities to get in and out of race cars before um with some tests, you know, some V8 stuff. And every time I drove the car, it didn't, there was no wow factor to me. Like it didn't, like I didn't have a wow. Um, But for some reason, the Lamborghini cars, you know, or a GT3 car um, on, on the American, you know, like going to the Glen was a really, really cool track. And then going to Road America, VIR and Laguna Seca, it just, you know, like they were iconic tracks that literally gave me the thrill like like VIR would probably be my favorite track that I've ever driven you know like it just I mean they have a plate you know a section that they call the roller coaster and it legit feels like you're on and it just like every lap and I was like I couldn't get enough I did a test there and they literally had to pull me out of the car (laughs) because I was just having so much fun um I started out at five, six seconds off the pace of the pro team and I got it down to a half a second. And and on a used tire, I felt like I, I had race pace, like I could I could throw down with the pros. And right there, it just like was the final hook for me, you know, like it was like that, okay, I can, I can do this, you know, like it's, it's starting to make sense to me. I'm looking at this computer and seeing all these squiggly lines. I'm starting to see you know, like being able to translate them into what I'm doing on a racetrack. Um and that for me was just I was sold.
0: my natural line of questioning says Bathurst twelve hour <laughs> yes. would that be on the radar? Would that be something you wanna do?
1: Hundred percent on the radar. Um it's actually already in the talks. So uh Lamborghini as a as a as a company is very excited about having me driving their cars and in and, and their series. Um Giorgio Senna is the head of motorsport. Um, huge motor fan. Um, you know, loves the fact that, uh, you know, that we're in there and we're playing playing ball in his, in his world. So uh, they want to put a factory effort into, um, into the 12-hour. And then I don't know if you know, but um, in 2020, uh, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo series is the support series um, of it. So... Depending on some things falling into place here in the next couple of weeks, um, I may I may be there racing the the Super Trofeo because um, I wouldn't want to like I wouldn't throw myself into the twelve hour yet. I think uh, Bathus as a track is so gnarly um, that I would want to go there and spend laps and and get up the speed um, and then maybe twenty twenty one come back and do a you know a twelve hour appearance.
0: manufacturing magnet italian ferruccio lamborghini founded the company in 1963 with the objective of producing a refined grand touring car to compete with ferrari the company's first models such as the 350 gt were released in the mid-1960s and were noted for their refinement power and comfort you're here talking to me with your boost head on (coughs) we both know pete addison pretty well um a little birdie tells me during the year had it not been for injury you may have also tested a gary rogers motorsport commodore is that true were you planning at some point to come out and drive a supercar again
1: yeah i was and that that actually was the case last year um when they were walking control Mm -hmm. um we actually had it all planned and i was going to drive it at sydney motor speedway um or motor park or whatever it's called these days eastern Eastern creek Creek. (laughs) that's us showing our age yeah yeah um and then unfortunately the dates and times and scheduling didn't it it kind of fell away from us um and then yeah this year I was really wanting to get it but um I would have loved to have done it because you know like I feel like I have a, a a better newer perspective of cars um so yeah it would be fun to get back in a supercar
0: Iron Man of Supercross, mate, record holder for all-time starts and podiums in AMA Supercross history. What the heck is the tally now? It's massive, isn't it?
1: Two hundred and yeah, two hundred and forty-nine. So, yeah. so the next one, it's a big one, you know. I think that two hundred and fifty is a is a is quite a number. Um, so, I'm I'm excited for you know what will be the next one, which will be two hundred and fifty. Um, but then, what comes with that? You know, the fact that the announcement of hey, this is this is real now, I've announced it to the world, it's gonna be my last run, um, so it's, it's a special one. And yeah, I mean, all the numbers for me are, are just what you look at You know, when, when it's all said and done.
0: What do you reckon the secret to your longevity is? I mean, you recounted there before 2010 being such a difficult year and you know, contemplating was, was that. It, coming back from that just shows the character of you and, and, and the competitive spirit you have, mate. What's the secret? <laughs>
1: The secret would be that the, the sheer passion and love of racing for me is probably the key thing. I would say one of the biggest things for me is that I was always able to, um, how would I say it? Like, I was always able to, like, it was important for me at the end of a series to kind of go off, the grid a little bit and I never really went off the grid I came to Australia Um, or I stayed in Florida and it's like I didn't live an athletic lifestyle and I put on weight and I did all these things that athletes shouldn't do but it was it was kind of like that grounding effect where you feel human you know because I always say that you're human first athlete second and I think people take that for granted um, and they don't really understand how hard it is to be an athlete and you know count calories and working out and doing this doing that getting pulled here getting pulled there and i just think that you know later in my career or midway through my career i just was like i this is unsustainable for me you know like 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 what happened to ricky i guess i learned from ricky like i kind of seen how just regimented and stiff it seemed from the outside looking in and i just said that i i can't be that guy like i need to find balance um and i was and i
0: was lucky that i that i found that it's a cool little lesson for lots of people listening. In the last 12 months, we saw Mick Doohan ride one of the Moto E-bikes mm-hmm. at Philip Island. He did, did some, some laps there. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. What is it about... Uh, um, I mean, the whole automotive world is embracing, you know, electric in so many ways. What do you think about that? Uh, we, whether it's four-stroke, two-stroke, it, fans love the sound, the smell... The whole notion of electric what is that what do you think about that yeah I'm on the
1: fence and i'm I'm a bit of both like I love so I love the electric side of it like the, tech, the as the tech. as somebody who has three kids, mm-hmm. if there was which they're coming and there actually is some KTM makes some some amazing new um electric bikes mm-hmm. I would just I love it like I think that all three of my children. I would love them to ride electric bikes okay. as avid motorcycle fans. Okay. Racing, I have a completely different view. I hate it. I hate it. You know, like I, I have been to an event and I've seen the the Moto E bike, and it's just like I hate everything about it. It's quiet. It, it, it. it when I go to MotoGP, it's the noise. When you're standing there and they go by you, it's not the speed. It's the 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 sheer. You can feel it in your heart. Absolutely. And and I think taking that away from racing um, will be really really hard. Um, so as at, at a racing level, I hope it never is successful. Um, but as a fan of you know going and riding through the trails and being able to you know, have bigger and better opportunities for like in the downtown areas or the, the forest, you know, areas that, that motorcycles are getting shut out of. And, and that opening back up, I'm fully on board and I would love it. And I would personally love a bike that I could ride and, and take my kids and family on in electric vehicles.
0: Couple to finish on. What's the bike from your entire time of racing? Could have been when you were a youngster, could have been a title winning bike. One that you go to sleep and dream of. Tell me about that bike. What is the bike? And a bit more about it. Share that with the audience. I have three motorcycles that I've loved.
1: 2004 uh, 250 two-stroke. Probably the the most amazing two-stroke ever built. Um, I loved it for everything that it was it was light it was fast it would stop it would turn it would accelerate it would go through whoops um it literally did everything that you could you could ever want it to do um and did it good um then i would say my my all-time favorite motorcycle would probably be my 2012 uh honda 450 my factory bike um that bike was amazing it just seemed like it was it was kind of the latest greatest um it was really light um fuel injected brakes were amazing so it kind of did all these things that that we fought over the years of you know being able to accelerate and stop it 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 seemed like the window of opportunity was really big um so i would say that that's my all-time
0: favorite bike Daily drive and favourite ride or drive is there a little is there a little Chad Reed resto project of some kind two off, two or four wheel
1: no I restored uh, my 2004 uh, 252 stroke um, it's pretty much 95 percent legit everything that I had from from the days um, and yeah I'm not a not a restore guy um, I'm pretty simple on cars right, right now I just drive a, a Ford uh, Ford Raptor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the full size version, beautiful. Um, really beautiful, and it's an it's a great car to drive around in, and that's that's my daily driver. Um, yeah, it's, I'm not a like I'm not a sports car fan on the on the road. You know, like I love cars, but love race cars on race tracks. No, I'm not a um, yeah. Like I don't have a desire, and never have you know had you know all these crazy sports
0: cars for the for the road. Very recently, Jorge Lorenzo announced his retirement from MotoGP. He said, I think, uh, his words were <coughs> like he's free. There's a sense of freedom. You've announced here, I mean, we've just covered a bit of it in the podcast, and obviously 2020 is going to be a big year in many regards, made stateside as well. Are you free? Not yet. <laughs> I, I feel free today um, because you've spoken about it for the first time.
1: I've spoken about it and I think that tomorrow will be, you know, it'll hit home tomorrow. Like I know that when I watch that video and I have to go wherever it is on the racetrack and and actually talk to the people, um, I'm sure that there'll be some, you know, some held back tears or maybe they'll just flow. Um, but I do, I, I feel... I already feel freer, you know. Like I feel like I had a headache all day, and my headache's gone. Because um, you were scared to talk about it. Why? I was scared, you know, like because it just it's it's your everything. That's you know, like I'm, yeah, like you're you're basically, you know, it's coming to an end, and it's you're 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 telling the world, and it's like you feel like you've almost been carrying this secret within yourself. Like I haven't. I had to tell Ellie multiple times, you know, like even, like a lot of people probably don't understand that, but like she's been along for the ride the whole time too. And a couple of times I was like, I'm done, you know, like this will be the last year. And then, you know, she kind of like didn't really respond or it wasn't, there wasn't really an interaction of like, okay, you know, like, so then I'm kind of like, you do understand what i just said right <laughs> and then and then recently um you know finally i just was like babe like this is this is it you know like uh she wasn't going to be at this race and i told her and i said ellie i'm announcing to the world that this is going to be my final year uh racing i think you should come to the race and uh and she's like so you're you're like this is it? <laughs> so it was it was funny. Um, so I'm excited for her to obviously be here and, and enjoy that moment. But um, but yeah, like it, it is. I, I want to um, how would I put it? Like it's like you, you know my era. So it's like Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, um, Jimmy Johnson, Horry, Casey, all these people that are you know recently announcing retirement or you know Casey a couple years ago but it's like the error that you you know that that is your error like your, your heroes outside of my sport that are my age are announcing retirement and every time I watched one I'm like you know like it would just it would hit home a little bit and a little bit more and then the next person and and I I recently had a back and forth uh, conversation with uh, Jimmy Johnson the other day and um you know I watched his his Instagram message you know announcing that 2020 will be his final year um you know and I kind of seen that coming a little bit um and just yeah like kind of like my conversation with him was like, there was a lot of understanding of like the same things he was feeling, I was feeling. And I, you know, obviously I told him and shared with him that this was, I was going to announce it here. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, it makes me happy, I guess, you know, like that, the generation that you, you know, that I raced are all, it's all coming to an end. So it's kind of like an, an end of an era for me in
0: life. <laughs> I'm sure it will have every kind of emotion for you, mate, from, you know, as I've said in the podcast here, I can fondly remember the young kid racing down under before he went and took on the world. Um, the things that you have achieved, mate, you, you know, you're a great Aussie success story, sporting and, and you know, beyond that, mate, and uh, from motocross to all the things you've done in, in the American Supercross scene, mate, congratulations. Um a proud family man as well but I, I hope you get to enjoy the moment and have a fantastic 2020 and thank you thanks Rusty I mean it's uh
1: it's it's been just kind of like building over the last couple of years and and it just seemed like the timing wasn't right you know like there was I hadn't found what was next mm-hmm. and 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 I think I you know told you maybe not on this but I always said that why ever I'm thinking of motorcycle racing then I feel like I should do it, you know, and do it to the fullest. And I don't care if the result isn't what it once was. um, But I always, I always wanted to do it because I could, because, you know, like, like a, a really good friend of mine, Jeff Ward, um, Jeff's 50 plus years old, 56, I think, 56, 57, um, And you go ride with him on a motorcycle, on a mountain bike. I spend, you know, some time around him and the guy's just a beast. And like somebody that you look at and you're like, like, that's what I want to do because he, yeah, okay. He's 58, but he, he doesn't act 58. (laughs) Um, And, and, and he always said to me, he just like, and I would imagine that he has that reality of, you know, he's just like, dude, do it while you can because you don't get to go back, you know, and especially at 37, next year I'll be 38. Like I don't get to retire for a year and then come back because I'm missing it, you know, like when I'm done, I'm done. Um, and so that's why it, it, it's been, I wouldn't say I've been holding on to it, but I did want closure and I, f- I finally have it. So uh, I'm, I'm proud um, and, I, and I hope to one day soon, uh, still be representing in the motorsport world in, in Australia and, and, and abroad. Um, and then, yeah, like I'll, I'll get to live my next dream, which is to drive
0: a race car around Bathurst. Some stuff, mate. It's been great to chat with you. Well done on everything you've achieved and good luck with that next phase. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Rusty's Garage is written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series producer and editor is Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.